What's up? What's up? What's up? What's up? What's up, everybody? 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 You are listening to The Bounce. As always, folks, this is episode 64. My name is Jabari Anderson with my co-host, L'Oreal. How you doing, L'Oreal? I'm doing fantastic, Jabari. It's still March Madness, baby. Yes, it is. Yes, we bought them like it's March Madness. <laughs> yes, and it's definitely madness in the, the month of March because we're about, what, a month away of the NBA playoffs, and uh, I'm just so happy that baseball is, is coming back, you know yes, what I'm saying? it's back. The spring, it's getting warmer outside, so you already know what the vibes are. Feeling good. Feeling, <laughs> yeah, feeling good. good. I'm just going to start this off by saying this. Breaking news, if you didn't know it was breaking news, because we just found out on Sunday, was it Sunday afternoon or Sunday evening, that Tom Brady is back. Tom Brady will return to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers after he said that he was going to, well, he retired for 40 days. I mean, 40 days. I mean, look, look, it took, look, how many days was the, was Major League Baseball in a lockout? It was about, what, 91 days, but for Tom yeah, 90, 99 days. But for Tom Brady's retirement, it was 40 days. Lord have mercy. Oh, my God. I don't know where to begin. I'm not going to start. L'Oreal, I'm going to let you get the floor right here. How surprised are you that Tom Brady changed his mind and decided to play football once again? I'm not quite surprised because when you really look at this process, this 40-day process, I mean, a 40-day process of figuring out if you want to come back or not, that's, you know, a little bit over than a month. So Tom Brady, we know that most likely he has been spending time with his family, spending time especially with Giselle and with the kids. And I really feel like there's probably been one point in time within these 40 days where Tom Brady was thinking to himself, is this really it? And of course, Tom Brady will be thinking about that because to just end your 22, now 23-year career, the way that it ended, of course, we knew that the Bucs, they wanted to go much more farther, go into the Super Bowl. Unfortunately, they didn't get to that point. And Tom Brady, now he's sitting in the middle thinking about what are we going to do now? And then, of course, he said that he wanted to retire. And then now that he went through these 40 days, I'm really sure that he had one moment within this time where he was like, man, like, is this really it? And for Tom Brady, I'm sure to think that football is really the end for him, he didn't want that to be a true reality. And I also truly think that because of what happened last season with the injuries to Chris Godwin, Linda Fournette, the whole Antonio Brown situation, and the fact that the Bucs could even make it back to the Super Bowl, Tom Brady probably felt some type of way about that. And Tom Brady, when he wanted to think about coming back, I'm sure he thought about that. He was like, and that's why he specifically said unfinished business. And, you know, for a man that's 44 years old trying to still play football, you would think his finish, his, his business would be finished. But I think for Tom Brady, he wants to go back. He wants to win it again for Tampa Bay. He wants to win it again for himself. When you think of a man who has put 20-plus years on the line for the sake of this game that we call football, it just really shows you how invested and how passionate Tom Brady is about this game and how even if he truly wants to leave it for the sake of his wife and kids, for the sake of his self, whether it be for his mental health or physical health, there's just something in Tom Brady where it's like, I just can't do it right now. So for Tom Brady to make this announcement almost 
a month later that he wants to come back, I don't think it's surprising. I think he's probably looking at what's been happening so far with these teams because a lot of these teams are changing, especially with these free agency changes. And Tom Brady is looking like, I want some of this action again. I want to be out there. I want to be out there with my coach, with my guys. I want to be able to play the game of football that I love to play. And I want to try to see if I can win this. Because think about it. If Tom Brady comes back and, heaven forbid, the Bucs manage to win the Super Bowl come next season, that would be a great way to close his career. And I think Tom Brady would rather want to close his career with that than to you know, stick with his retirement process and his thinking process and think about like, dang, like I wish I would have, you know, tried as hard as I could because maybe Tom Brady is thinking that he didn't try as hard as he could. And that's what I love so much about Tom Brady is that his competitiveness and his leadership is always going to be felt. And I, I ain't going to lie. I don't mind him coming back. I don't mind him being 44 years old trying to defy odds. Because when you think about it, the last two seasons, it's crazy that the last two seasons he's had 40 touchdowns. And the last time he had 40-plus touchdowns was um, was back in 2007. That's crazy. So for Tom Brady, he's thinking, you know, 44 where? You know, I can still play with these old guys. I can still hang around the league. I can still prove to everyone that I can still be the very best at my game at this point of time. That's all cool and all, but I ain't going to lie. I was surprised as ever that this man said, yeah, I'm going to come and play football once again. And to be honest, I was very annoyed when I found this out. I was taking a nap on Sunday afternoon or evening, (laughs) woke up and I saw, hey, Tom Brady's back. I was like, huh? Tom Brady, what? He's coming back to play football? And I'm like, oh my God, why? Tom Brady, you are 44 years old. You want to play your 23rd NFL season for what 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 else does he need to prove he already has seven Super Bowl rings he already has broken how many records like he holds multiple records multiple last season I understand he had 43 touchdowns over 5,000 passing yards uh 67.5 incompletion well for well passing rating I should say 485 passing completions why come back do you need anything else that you need to prove? Like, what else do you need to prove? That is what is annoying to me. It's like Tom Brady. When I first heard that he was going to retire, no, actually take it back. Beforehand, when there was rumors that he could retire, I was like, it's going to come back next season. I was like, look, I don't know. But if he does, so be it because he has nothing, nothing left to prove. When I found out that he was going to retire, I said, it is about damn time. Now that this man is coming back, 40 days first of all that you you didn't really retire you just took a break that's all you did and the nerve you wanted to do this before the super bowl didn't make any sense like bro he probably looked at his kids and he said like with the magic johnson face i'm not gonna be here anymore (laughs) that's what he basically did tom brady you're 44 years old let it go my man's Bro, I was so happy. I said, it's about damn time when I heard that he was going to retire. Now that he come back, it's like, oh, my God. Here we go again. Like, why? He has nothing left to prove. Just go. That's I'm, Like, seriously, like, you, you, there's nothing left to prove. Seriously, man. Like, I'm, I'm just saying, like, listen, he could, 
he could join ESPN, be like a commentator or something like that. I don't, I don't care. Be a, a sports broadcaster. He don't need to play football again. He, he did what he supposed to do. Now it's time to move on. But now that he's back, oh, my God, I guess we got to talk about the Buccaneers again as far as being in the conversation to come out the NFC. I mean, Green Bay, Rams, 49ers, and now you got to bring up the Buccaneers again because of Tom flipping Brady. That's the reason why. And look, and, and look. This team is still good. It's solid. I mean, I'm sure Grunt will come back. I mean, I'd be surprised if you said, no, I'm done. But Grunt will come back, and Bruce Arians is still the coach. So, you know, it'll it'll be all good. And whatever's left with the defense, because they still need help with their secondary defense. But you're bringing back Chris Godwin, which we don't know. You know, we we don't know what's going to happen with Chris Godwin next season. But still, (sighs) even though the Buccaneers, you got to put them back in that conversation as far as coming out the NFC. I was just not happy that he was coming back. Tom Brady, just leave. Speaking of a player that is guaranteed, well, we're hoping that he plays next season, Deshaun Watson. So Deshaun Watson, who currently is with the Houston, Texas, he's once again in the trade talks once again. And a lot of people are going after him, trying to get him, you know what I'm saying? Because it is Deshaun Watson. And why is that? Because last week, last Friday, the court came up and said that basically Watson would not be charged. Well, he would not be criminally charged. Well, he would not be indicted for any criminal cases when it comes to sexual assault. So at least anything that's criminal, it's out the way. But that means that he still has 22 civil cases that involves with sexual assault. So I just want to say this right now. Just because somebody is not going to be indicted does not mean they didn't do it. But at the same time, just because someone was accused of something doesn't mean they did do it. So I just want that to be very clear. With this out the way, he, he's not going to go to jail for this. This is going to be interesting to see who's going who's gonna to grab him. And there are teams like the Panthers, the Saints, the Browns. And you know we, we, there's a lot of things going on with the Browns because we don't know where Baker Mayfield's mind is at because there's a possibility that Baker Mayfield might leave Cleveland. But anyway... The Steelers, the Seahawks, and even the Colts, although the Houston Texans said we would not trade him to the Colts. That's not happening in the, in the same division. Out of all these teams, which one should pursue Deshaun Watson? Absolutely, the New Orleans Saints. I mean, the Saints, to me, I think they have everything that Watson is looking for in terms of him trying to return and be the Deshaun Watson that we have seen the past couple of years. The Saints team, you have the offensive weapons. Michael Thomas, he's coming back. Alvin Kamara, you have a running back. And we know that Sean Watson, he likes to run the football too. So it'll be interesting to see how those three and the rest of the offensive weapons is going to play. Defensively, this Saints defense is still one of the top defenses in this league. And they can definitely stop a lot of teams, especially their rivals in that division, like the Buccaneers or the Pampers and the Cedera. And also, too, remember, when Deshaun Watson was in Houston, Deshaun Watson was one of those quarterbacks that did get sacked a lot. So with the Saints, you know, their offensive line is not the very best, but it's also pretty good. So I think that with Watson, if he goes to New Orleans, he'll get protection as well. So when you just look at this team, the Saints, with the offense and the defense, and you add Deshaun Watson into that picture, you have a contender team right there, a Super Bowl contender team, I would say especially in the NFC. 
And don't get me wrong, I think that Cleveland, if Deshaun Watson goes to Cleveland, that's not a bad idea. But I think with Deshaun Watson, he might want to play out of the AFC. Because especially if you play for Cleveland in that AFC North division, you're going to go up against Lamar Jackson and Joe Burrow. That's going to be pretty tough. Mm -hmm. I think with Deshaun Watson, he would rather play in a much easier division like um, like the NFC South, where you'll play with this alongside the Saints and you'll play with the Panthers and the Falcons. And let's be real. If you have Deshaun Watson on the same team in that division, they're winning the division, flat out. They're winning that division. And a lot of people seem to forget, too, that Watson is still a pretty good player. When you look at what he did in his last season before these cases even happened, he had 30, 37 touchdowns and seven interceptions. He had 112 rating. That's really good. Deshaun Watson, by far, if he were to come back, any team, it doesn't even matter if it's the Panthers or the Saints, Deshaun Watson is still a top five and a top ten quarterback. He has the intangibles. He is elite. He has known how to play in the very big moments that we have seen when he has been on the Texans. So for a team like the New Orleans Saints, I want a guy like Deshaun Watson. I want a guy that can give me that elite play. I want a guy that can really gel in into my offense and my defense. And I want a guy that's going to take me to that promised land. Because the Saints, we always count the Saints no matter what because of their offense and their defense and just the fact that they're a better team overall. But let's be real. The Saints the past couple of years, they've been bounced off the playoffs really early. And I think that it's time for them to really think about being that contending team and having the uh, having the um the weapons that you need to create a team that can win a Super Bowl. And I think if you add Deshaun Watson into that, he's going to be that guy for you and he's going to be that guy that's going to take you there the best way possible. Yeah, you hit it right in the coffin. I obviously to me it's the New Orleans Saints. Now, I understand that you can go to the Panthers and obviously have a good defensive team and have a good running back. Obviously, the running back is Christian McCaffrey. So it won't be bad. Um, the Browns, the defense is solid as well. You know, so, you know, obviously, he'll have a new player in mind. That would be, you know, Amari Cooper, which we'll talk about a little bit later. You know, Amari Cooper and, and quote to see if, if Landry will come back. We don't know if Landry will come back because he got cut from the Browns. But, I mean, listen, that's all cool. Stillers is nice. Seahawks will be okay. It'll be all right. Coast will be fantastic if you ask me. But when it comes to the Saints, like I said beforehand, the Saints defense is championship caliber. I'm telling you right now, this is the same defense that lock up Tom Brady and the Buccaneers the last two seasons. I'm, I'm going to repeat that again. Lock Tom Brady and the Buccaneers up the last two seasons. And if it wasn't for Drew Brees, Drew Brees two seasons ago, messing up in the playoffs, throwing those, what, two, three, four interceptions, the Buccaneers would have lost that game because the Saints are clearly better than the Buccaneers. And... <laughs> And then you got the offense, Kamara, Michael Thomas, when he's healthy, everybody else, that old line. I mean, it'll be a, it, listen, Deshaun Watson, obviously he will be a better quarterback than Taysom Hill, by the way. You put Deshaun Watson with these weapons, with that team, they will obviously win their division, but they will also be in the conversation of coming out the NFC. You got to understand this. What this team is right now, 
this team is good enough to reach the Super Bowl. Honestly, honestly, reach the Super Bowl. And let, let's just be very clear about Deshaun Watson. 33 touchdowns, the last time he played, seven interceptions. He completed, what, 70% of his passes? Deshaun Watson is that guy. He is one of the five best quarterbacks in the league. And if the Saints get him, I wouldn't make – I don't like making these, uh, you know, too soon or too early predictions, but if the Saints get Deshaun Watson, I believe that they will go to the Super Bowl. Like, seriously, I think so. Like, I'm I'm going in hard. I'm going with bold predictions. And, and, and Deshaun Watson, he hasn't played since 2020. So, look, one year that he hasn't played, he'll be fresh. He'll be nice. Will he be rusty a little bit? Sure, I, I believe he'd probably be rusty, but he'll still have a solid team around him. And – you know what I'm saying? When when he gets that, you know, when he gets those that that rust off of him, they're gonna be fine, especially come playoff time. But when it comes to the Browns, Steelers, or the Seahawks, if this man goes to the AFC North or the NFC West, it's gonna be a tough division for him. I'll tell you that right now. It's gonna be it's gonna yeah. be tough. Not to say that they they can't make it to the playoffs if Deshaun Watson is the quarterback for one of those teams, but it's gonna be a tough battle. It's gonna be a bloodbath, like guarantee it, because. Good, good quarterback versus good quarterback. I mean, what's up, Mr. Trubisky? I mean, he ain't that good, you know, for Pittsburgh, though. <laughs> you know, I, I ain't going that far. I mean, he, he ain't no scrub, but you know, he ain't on the level with Watson and, you know, other people. But it's going to be a bloodbath in the AFC North or the NFC West if Deshaun Watson shows up. All right, so let's move on to the NBA. So we've had plenty of teams that we have talked about, you know, as far as who's succeeding and struggling during the season. Two teams, especially one of these teams that we have not talked about as much is the Miami Heat in particular, who are the number one seed. And, you know, we've talked about the Milwaukee Bucks here and there who are the reigning champs, but they are the second seed right now. So let's talk about them. Miami Heat has the best record in the East. They are 46 and 24. And the Milwaukee Bucks, they are the second seed. You know, especially with the Bucks, who's been top heavy as of late, they've, they've been dealing with injuries. And same thing with the Heat too. But for them to be the top two seeds... In the East is is obviously I would probably say you expect the Bucks in this situation, but not the Miami Heat. But anyway, for the Heat, they are 11th in offensive efficiency, and they are fifth in defensive efficiency. As for the Bucks, they are third in offensive efficiency, but in defense they are 14th. So they kind of decline a bit compared to last season. Which team is more likely to come out the East? I love Miami. Miami is doing good right now. It's a number one seed. It's good to see Jimmy Butler get back into rhythm. Bam. Tyler Hero. I mean, six-year, six-man-a-year candidate. He's doing yes. great. But I'm going with Milwaukee, and here's why. I think people really seem to forget that we understand that, especially in the bubble, when the Heat did beat the Bucks 4-1. That was a great series. Bam and Jimmy Butler, they played great offensively and defensively. That was probably one of the best performances I've really seen from them as players. And they proved to us that they can make a statement, especially in the Eastern Conference, against a team that has Giannis. But also, let's, fast, let's flash forward to the very next season. The Bucks swept them. And Jimmy Butler was still playing. Everybody else was still playing. And guess why the Bucks swept the Heat? Defense. That defense was top tier every single game. They was crushing the glass. They was forcing Jimmy Butler to shoot, I believe, 25% from the field. They forced the Heat to shoot 38% from the field. And I understand right now that the Heat are the first seed, but this is the regular season. Come playoff time, 
I'm still not really sure about the Heat because even though Jimmy Butler, we know what Jimmy Butler can do, I was still, and I'm still disappointed what he did in that playoff series because you can't shoot like that. And I feel like if I can put the team against you, I need Jimmy Butler to really do something against Giannis and Middleton. And last season, he didn't do that. So this season, I'm not really sure. Tyler Hero, he's doing amazing. He is shooting much better. He is really embracing into his role. But come playoff time, how is he going to perform? Because we know that Tyler Hero, he hasn't done really well yet against the playoffs. And when you think about the Bucs, I need people to stop putting the Bucs on this radar. Because I feel like people are still putting the Bucs on this radar. Like they haven't proven to us that they really are the real deal. I mean, we could talk about Giannis all we want because we know that Giannis, he is still crushing and defying his numbers. But let's talk about the other players. Chris Middleton. Chris Middleton, he has been improving since post-All-Star break. Right now, he is averaging 25 points a game. He's shooting 44% from three-point range, and he's shooting 48% from the field. That is important because when Chris Middleton starts to get better or when Chris Middleton starts to get into that rhythm, and we have seen this the previous of years where Chris Middleton, he might have a little bit of slump into the season, but then once he gets into that rhythm, he doesn't stop. I think he is getting to that point. Chris Middleton is getting to that rhythm where he is shooting lights out. I mean, we've seen that game where he averaged 50-plus. We know what Chris Middleton can do when it comes to his intangibles. Uh, Drew Holiday, he has improved as well. He has went up to 20 points now a game, 40% from three-point range and 44% from the field. That is good. Let's think about the role players. We could talk about P.J. Tucker and how Milwaukee, they might, you know, they might suffer a little bit because they lost him. But what about the role players right now that they have? You have Brooke Lopez back, so you add more length. Bobby Portis, I think Bobby Portis is doing a great job right now with his role, especially when, when Brooke Lopez is out. And now that Brooke Lopez is in, Bobby Portis can still make an impact when it comes to shooting, setting screens, you know, making sure that everybody stays in their zone. He's really good at that. Um, Serge Ibaka. Serge Ibaka was just recently picked up from Milwaukee. You have Grayson Allen, who is still contributing for you off the bench. So when I look at Miami and Milwaukee, I understand what Miami's doing right now. I understand that when you added P.J. Tucker and Kyle Lowry, it did change a lot for your team because you can add, you know, you can, um, there's, there's, there's less pressure now for like Hero and for Bam and for Butler. So when you see these guys play, they're playing more flowingly. But when I think of the Bucks, I'm sorry, man. I can't go against Giannis. I can't go against Middleton. And I just feel like overall the Bucs are a better team. And come playoff time, we have seen what the Bucs have done. I don't want to hear people saying that the Bucs is still on this radar or the Bucs have something to prove. The Bucs have one of the best playoff runs and one of the best final runs that we have seen in NBA history. And I don't think that's something that we can ignore because they play excellent defense. They play great offense and they play well as a team. And I think the Bucs, they're reigning champs. And I think Miami will be still be scared of the Bucs. I think that Brooklyn will still be scared of the Bucs. Um, Philadelphia, Cleveland, Boston. I still think that the Bucs still have a very great advantage over a lot of these teams in the Eastern Conference. And once playoff time comes, that's when people are really going to see who is still the best team in the East. The Miami Heat are 46-24. Shout out to them. Fantastic season so far. Good regular season. Under the radar. They're, they're trying to show people that, listen, 
what happened two years ago wasn't a fluke. So they're trying to show people right now that, look, we are, if not the best, we're one of the best teams in the East. But it's clearly the Bucs. It is clearly the Bucs who are 43 and 26. And here's the reason why. They have the best player on the team. If it's the Heat versus the Bucs in a playoff series, the Bucs will have the best player on the floor. They have the best player on the floor. They would have the best duo on the floor. Listen, we can talk about who has the deeper team and whatnot, but at the same time, the Milwaukee Bucks know how to close. I'm looking at this Heat team, and as much as I like Jimmy Butler, who are you going to depend on when it comes to closing? Are you really going to depend on Jimmy Butler or Chris Milliton? Because people might think I was going to say Giannis. And Giannis is not the closer, but Giannis is just more dominant than any other player who plays for the Miami Heat. Sure, you could say, look at the bench. The Heat has an advantage over the Bucs when it comes to the bench. But how many of them are going to deliver come playoff time? And yes, Victor Oladipo just came back. So, you know, it's going to take time. But I'm not, listen, I'm, if y'all expecting Victor Oladipo to come give you 15 points per game, y'all just flipping mine. He's not going to do all that come playoff time. He just came back, so stop right there. You guys can talk about who's the better coach between Budenholzer or Eric Spolstra, but last time I checked, Mike Budenholzer won the championship last year. He proved that he can win. And Eric Spolstra, he's a good coach solid, but that man hasn't been able to win a championship since LeBron, Wade, and Chris Posh left. I don't know anybody on the Miami Heat right now who are on that level. Who are, look, Jimmy Butler, great player, but he ain't on LeBron, Wade, or Chris Boss level. Sorry, we just can't put that right there. So when you think about all of that, a team who is better offensively, my, listen, Miami's good defensively, but the Milwaukee Bucks are better offensively. The best player on their team, the better duo. If, when it comes to a road game, if I have to believe who can still hold credit advantage between Miami and Milwaukee, I'm taking Milwaukee off rip. No doubt about that. And listen, they I know that they're 14th on defense, but guess what? They will turn it up come playoff time. And like you said beforehand, George Hill is back. Brooke Lopez is back. Pat Cunnington is eventually going to come back because obviously, you know, he has that, you know, right hand as an issue. And listen, when, you, when it's your shooting hand that's giving you problems, you got to rest right here. He's, he's, he, listen, Pat Cunnington, make sure you take care of that hand because they're going to need that come playoff time. The Bucs have shown you, the, Giannis has shown you that he can deliver. The Miami Heat hasn't. And Jimmy hasn't. So I'm sorry. We could talk about what happened two years ago in the bubble. But what happened last year when there wasn't a bubble? Think about that. And look, and, and, and yeah, it was. He said that he said I'm a gen, I'm a gentleman sweep. That he said I'm gonna give you that gentleman sweep, and then the Bucks said, "Hey, next season, guess what? I'm gonna give you that sweep." In 2020, they didn't have Drew Holiday, and I understand this season they have Kyle Lowry and PJ Tucker now. Great additions, and PJ Tucker was valuable to the Bucks last season, but still, the Bucks are just better. I'm not, I'm not saying that. Listen, I won't be surprised if anybody said the Bucs are or anybody said the Heat are. But if I have to choose between these two teams, I'm taking the Bucs. Let's stay in the Eastern Conference right now because this is a team that was predicted to come out the East, not only come out the East, but to win the championship. If, if not then it was supposed to be the Lakers, but we're not talking about the Lakers right now. So anyway, the Brooklyn Nets are on a four-game winning streak. They have beaten the Hornets, the 76ers, the Knicks, and the Orlando Magic. And within those four games, Kyrie Irving had 50 points. Lord have mercy. That 50 points last week was amazing. Then when they went to Philadelphia, 
They said, hi, Joel and B. Hi, James Harden. We're going to beat you by 29 points. I mean, on the road, it was like bing bong. <laughs> but anyway, and then against the Knicks, when Kyrie Irving couldn't play because it was at home, Kevin Durant scored 53 points. Lord have mercy. The bing bong. And yeah, <laughs> that, 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 that's a real bing bong. Yeah, and, then, <laughs> and then when the Nets went against the Orlando Magic, Kyrie Irving scored 60 points. Lord have mercy. These, look, listen, KD and Kyrie are, are the first, first pair of teammates to score at least 50 points back-to-back games. Oh my God. And they and, and the Nets and the Boston Celtics are now the only two teams to have multiple teammates who score at least 50 points this season. That's crazy. Kyrie. KD, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum. They, they, let me just say this before we even get to our topic right here. Well, before we discuss the question, what Kyrie Irving did, just imagine if Kyrie Irving can play in Brooklyn. Lord have mercy. Oh my God. You're just looking like, just imagine if he can play in the Barclays Center. Because oh, you imagine, forget about Ben Simmons, Kyrie and KD. Oh my God. God, that would just do you wonders. Oh my God, you you giving us a tease. I need the whole meal for Pete's sake. Oh my God. But anyway, let's go ahead and talk about this because that was just crazy. Last weekend, well, on Sunday, Kevin Durant was obviously was at the post game interview and he was asked upon obviously about Eric Adams. Well, he he kind of mentioned Eric Adams and he basically said Eric Adams, who is the mayor of New York New York City. He said that basically that he was seeking attention and that he better do something about this vaccine mandate, you know, the private sector mandate, because obviously Kyrie Irving can't play because he's under the private sector mandate as of right now. So, look, obviously, we don't know when this vaccine mandate is going to be lifted because obviously the state of New York has, you know, the governor made sure the statewide vaccine and mass mandate is lifted. And Eric Adams has made sure that there's a there's at least one level of a vaccine mandate that's that's lifted, but the public sector and the private sector vaccine mandate is not lifted yet. It's still there. But um, but other than that, what Katie said, I mean, obviously it brought some attention. L'Oreal, was it smart for Kevin Durant to call out Eric Adams? I don't think it was smart to Katie to call out Eric Adams and for a couple reasons. Um, first off. We have to understand that Kevin Durant wasn't wrong with what he said. And just like KD and everyone else, we understand how petty and how stupid this private sector is. We understand um, the hypocrisy in that, you know, you have other players who could come in the Barclays Center, role players, and they're not vaccinated. But Kyrie Irving, he, you know, he can't play and he could just be a spectator. You know what's crazy? He could be on the he he can only be on the sidelines or a court side. Yeah. He can't even be in the locker room, which yeah, I think cross. is crazy. Yeah, yeah, and you like you said, they got the Nets got fined because he came to the locker room because technically it's a workplace environment and you can't be in there because he's unvaccinated. But yeah, but he could be across from the team, but he can't be on the bench. <laughs> right, like for real, like it is true hypocrisy, and I understand KD's frustrations, but at the same time. My thing with Kevin Durant at this point is that you're whining to Eric Adams. Why are you not doing this to Kyrie? And, I, and I'm pretty sure that Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving has had 
their conversations about what's been going on, Kyrie's feelings, I'm sure KD's feelings. But at the same time, I need to see that energy from KD towards Kyrie. Because if I were Kevin Durant, I'd be looking at Kyrie Irving like, bruh, like, what are we doing here? What's going on? And people need to understand this is Kyrie Irving's choice. Kyrie Irving, it wasn't like, you know, he had like a gun to his head or he was threatened or none of that. He had made his choice all by himself. And we are okay with that. We're okay with that. Like, come on, it's March. Like, we've been past the point of Kyrie Irving, well, I don't know about anybody else, but I'm sure you and me, Jabari, we've been past the point that Kyrie Irving is going to stick to what he believes in, and that yeah. is what it is. Yeah, I accepted well, that. Yeah, I already exactly. accepted that. Yeah, It was like, it is what it is. But guess what, Kyrie? And for Kevin Durant, too, so he can realize there are consequences to your actions. So as a result of Kyrie Irving wanting to make this decision, there's a consequence. You can't play at home. You can only sit courtside. I'm sorry. <laughs> Kevin, like, KD needs to understand that. He should not be pointing the finger at Aaron Adams saying, you should do those, you should do something about this. Because I don't know if anybody's been reading about Eric Adams' attitude toward this whole situation. This man is not backing down from his decision. He is very clear, adamant on his decision. And he is very clear, adamant that this decision is not going to have anything involved with Kyrie because he has said that he don't want the message out there to be that Kyrie Irving was right or Kyrie Irving is going to have a higher up into the situation. He has made that very clear. So for KD to think that he can call out Eric Adams at a post-game conference thinking that it's going to change anything, it's not going to change anything, Kevin. This mandate, I don't think it's going to be unlifted anytime soon. And to be quite honest with you, Eric Adams has the power to change his mind, meaning that he can keep this longer for as long as he wanted to be. So all this whining and all this trying to call out Eric Adams over the situation, Katie, you need to stop. And, and, and the reason why I'm saying, KD, he needs to stop is, you know and I know where, where I'm going with this, Shabari. Kevin Durant has always been in the center of attention for years. And we know that he has been in the center of attention for not so positive reasons. So for KD to be called out Eric Adams the way that he did, you're bringing more attention onto yourself. And you don't want that more attention onto yourself because as the Brooklyn Nets, where they stand, you guys don't have that much attention. The only attention you guys have right now is, you know, is Kyrie going to play full time? How is Brooklyn going to be able to win a championship at all? Does this Brooklyn Nets team even matter within the next couple years? Because if I'm KD, yeah, I might be pissed off right now, but I'm sure you're going to be more pissed off next season and the season after that and the season after that. And not only that, I know you're going to be pissed off come playoff time when you are at home and Kyrie Irving is not there and you have to be the person to take it for the team. Because we know Ben Simmons not doing that. We only know Ben Simmons is going to play right now. So right now, the biggest concern for Brooklyn is Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. And for KD, you should not be bringing all this attention to yourself by trying to call Eric Adams because you need to accept the fact that your teammate made his decision and your teammate is giving you guys all these consequences, all this turmoil, all this unnecessary drama because of what he did. And that is the bottom line. And I believe the next day that he wanted to comment about the, you know, obviously the comments that he actually said about Eric Adams. Now, 
I'm not going to say that he backtracked or anything, but he wanted to elaborate everything else he said. He also said, the last two years have been difficult and painful for New Yorkers, as well as a confusing, well, very confusing time with the changing landscape of the rules and mandates. I do appreciate the task the mayor has in front of him with all the city has been through. My frustration with the situation doesn't change the fact that I always be committed to helping the communities and cities I live in and play in. I have no problem with Kevin Durant said about all the things that he brought up about, about the mandate and everything else. I do have a problem that he called out Eric Adams. You did not need to call him out publicly because if you wasn't going to do that privately, why would you do that publicly? Did you call out Kyrie Irving publicly about not getting vaccinated? Hmm. Think about that. So if you're not going to do that to Kyrie Irving, why not do it to Eric Adams? And you and I, L'Oreal, we already spoke about how this vaccine mandate, well, as of right now, this doesn't make any sense. Because why, in, why, if ever, why do you have role players that can come to New York and play and they're not vaccinated, but the players who play in New York, they have to be vaccinated? That doesn't make any sense to me, and, and I'm sure that doesn't make sense to others. Beforehand, when they had this vaccine policy, well, this vaccine mandate, I didn't have an issue with that was. But that was one of the things that I spoke about. That's probably the only thing I had an issue with. But now, while they can come and be unvaccinated and play, now you got visitors, you got anybody who was unvaccinated, they can come and watch and come to indoor venues. They can come to entertainment venues. They can come to restaurants unvaccinated, but the residents or the or players who play in New York can't be unvaccinated? Like what type, what type of nonsense is that? Kyrie Irving can be a spectator in the Barclays Center, but he can't be a player. And even though this thing is complicated, Kyrie Irving can still get vaccinated and this will all go away. This will all go away. Now, two things can be true. Kyrie Irving could get vaccinated and this can all go away. Eric Adams can lift the vaccine mandates and this can all go away. But here's the thing that will still be true as well. If Eric Adams sticks by his ground and let the vaccine mandate still be there come playoff time, this will hurt the Nets' chances to win a championship. With Eric Adams, think about this. If Eric Adams doesn't lift the vaccine mandate, does it really hurt his chances of being reelected as the mayor of New York? Probably. It, it might. Maybe. Maybe not. But let, let's be real. I mean, he, he was elected, you know, regardless if it was going to hurt his chances or not. You know what I'm saying? Regardless if he's a fan favorite or not, it doesn't really matter. And besides, he's not the reason why this vaccine mandate is in New York. Beforehand, it was de Blasio. So that was because of him. Now, he has the right to, to get rid of the vaccine mandate. And Adam said this, and I, and I do agree with this. He can't do it just for one person out of everyone else. He can't just make this an exception and and just just sent out the wrong message. Like that doesn't make any sense for these New Yorkers, especially when last month, I mean, you had thousands of employers that had to be fired because they didn't get the vaccine. So they're going to do that for Kyrie Irving? That doesn't make any sense. And it's not just Kyrie Irving that has to go by these rules. Now, now that we have baseball season coming up, players from the Yankees and the Mets, they have to be vaccinated. Or they can't play in New York. And it's going to be worse for the Yankees because think about this too. If the Yankees are not vaccinated, they are only eligible to play 70 games. 70 games. 
uh, was, Judge. Yeah, uh, uh, we, we don't, well, you know what? When Aaron, this is funny. When Aaron Judge was asked if he was vaccinated or not, what he thought about the whole vaccine rule and all that other stuff, he just said, I'm just worried about spring training right now. You know, we'll see when we cross that bridge. That just sounds like to a brother who basically isn't vaccinated. Or he, listen, clearly he didn't want to answer the question. So, but I would say this, if Aaron Judge is not vaccinated, guess what's going to happen? He can't play no more than 70 games on the road. Cause you know why? Well, he can only play 70 games and that's on the road. He can't play in New York and he can't play in Toronto because Canada made it very clear. You ain't playing over here in Canada. Oh, Canada. If you are not vaccinated, that's plain and simple. So it's going to be some problems. You know what I'm saying? So it not only affects Kyrie Irving, but it, it affects every, it, listen, it affects the players for the Yankees, Mets. It even affects for hockey players like the New York Rangers. So everybody wants to make it seem like that. This is about Kyrie Irving. This is not about Kyrie Irving. You can't just make an exception in the situation. Something has to happen. Either Kyrie gets vaccinated, Eric Adams lists the vaccine mandates, or I'm not advocating for this. Brooklyn could just say, you know what? We would accept every fine when Kyrie Irving plays. We would do the was the the one with the warning, then a one thousand fine. If they got to do that, then they got to do that. But at the same time, and I don't think that the Brooklyn Nets would do that. But because, like I said, I'm not advocating for anyone to break the law. It's not that New York City would fine the Brooklyn Nets if this happened. Like if they let Kyrie Irving play, because obviously they would totally be breaking the law. Think about the NBA. The NBA would probably fine harder than the than than the city of New York. They oh, yeah. think about this. They'll probably find them again and again harder. And then they'll say, if you keep on doing this, you will lose draft picks. And Adam you Silver ain't playing. Yeah, Adam, listen, Adam Silver, listen, he's been he's been an advocate. He's let it be known that he doesn't like how New York is handling this whole new vaccine mandate policy and whatnot. You you just can't be sitting here and just blatantly break the law. You just can't make up. I mean, just come out and just break the law. I mean, just Listen, we understand that rich folks have broken the law before, but just out there just showing that, yeah, we're going to break the law. There's nothing you could do about it. People are going to have an issue with that. The fact that you consistently break the law, the NBA ain't going to let that happen. I'm just going to let you know right now. So these are the two choices. Kyrie get vaccinated or Eric Adams lift up the mandate. That, that, that's, the, that's the only thing that's going to happen because right now the clock is ticking. The, the clock is ticking and the playoffs is coming in a month. We will see what happens, but as of right now, it, it's not on Kyrie's side right now. Like time is not on Kyrie's side. So, but let's say that Eric Adams does lift the private sector vaccine mandate. If he lifts that up, but keeps the public sector vaccine mandate, do you know how big of a deal that will be? That will be an issue. Just imagine if Kyrie Irving and, and Kevin Durant was with the New York Knicks. I mean. <laughs> I mean, shoot, them, those those Knicks fans, they will be on, on Kyrie's head if that was the case. <laughs> For real. Yeah, that, that New York media. Whoo, boy. The, he better be happy he's not with the Knicks, by the way. Anyway, let's move on. So I just want to say this right now, and I am so happy, but baseball is back. Yes, you know it. The lockout is over, baby. I am so happy that it's back. It is back. Why is it back? Because I'm going to tell you why. Because MLB and the MLB Players Association has decided to come in agreement with a new CBA. And we will have base 
ball. Thank you, Jesus. And it will be a 162-game season. And there are obviously there are going to be some new change, changes and whatnot. But opening day will be on April 7th. So instead of being on, on March 31st, it will be on April 7th. So it's probably a week later on. So, you know, it is what it is. You know what I'm saying? We're going to have a full baseball season. And a lot of changes are going to be happening. You know, this, this upcoming season, we will have a 12-team playoff bracket. We will have a universal DH. So that means that bye-bye for the National League of having, the, you know, the pitchers, you know, being a batter. Because now we will have a universal universal designated hitter. Knowing that there will be a doubleheader nine-inning game instead of having a doubleheader seven-inning game, which I, I kind of like that, though. I kind of like the whole seven-inning games. But it is what it is. So the doubleheader nine-inning games will be back. Knowing that they will ban the shift. And what else is going to happen? And minimum salary for players will be no less than $700,000. And obviously, minor leaguers, they will get some credit, too. Um, L'Oreal, are you happy that baseball is finally back? Yes, I am happy. It's been a long 99 days, but baseball is finally back. I am so excited. And I think... The biggest thing from this entire situation between MLB and MLBPA trying to come up with the CBA, everybody is winning from this situation. The players, the owners, and of course, the fans. Because when you look specifically into the CBA, this CBA is really giving me the energy that this baseball season, this upcoming season, and for future season, it's going to be very competitive. Because I mean... The fact that you're going to have double header nine innings, the fact you're going to have um, an expansion of postseason with now 12 teams. I mean, just think of the possibility of, you know, your favorite team hit, hit the Tigers getting to the postseason. That will be absolutely amazing. And not only that, the players got what they wanted. They got what they wanted when it came to how the season was going to go, their money, the minor leads. This CBA is looking exactly what I said about when we was talking about if this lockout was even going to be over. I knew that the players and the owners were going to be extremely invested into the CBA. And look at what we have now. We have a lot that's going to be a great thing come this upcoming season. And I'm just excited, man. I'm excited. I can't wait to see my Tigers play. I can't wait till April. My Tigers. spring, yes. I can't wait till April. Spring's about to happen, baby. I can't wait to go to the games, eat my Cracker Jacks, and see baseball happen. Because last season, we had a great season, especially what had happened the other season when COVID first hit. So this upcoming season now with this new CBA, I'm excited, man. Baseball is back. I'm just happy. We're, uh, listen, I'm just happy that we're going to have a baseball <laughs> season. That's all. That's all. I'm just happy. I'm just <laughs> It's about time. The lockout is over. Spring training is now going on right now. And look, we got a couple weeks until baseball season gets started. I am happy. They are saying, here we are. We're prepared. Now I'll be ready for Comerica Park to see my Tigers. And I'm calling it right now. The Detroit Tigers will be heading to the playoffs. I'm calling it right now. You know what I'm saying? My man Bass, who was going to learn from Miguel Cabrera. I like the team. And look, and there's a lot of moves that has been made in this baseball offseason because now the lockout is over. But look, it doesn't matter right now. We will talk about that later on when we get closer and closer to baseball season. 
I am just happy. I am thrilled that we are having baseball. And man, it's, it's a match made in heaven. And now that is all good. And also for the deadline for the international draft, it will come no later than July 25th. So we're going to be solid right there. You can't tell me nothing. There's nothing else I can say. You just can't tell me nothing. I'm just happy that we're here. And that's it. That's all I got to say. And when, um, when the season comes, we will talk more about it. We will make our predictions and see what happens. So baseball is back. And, and always, no doubt, go Tigers. Go Tigers. <laughs> all right. So let's get started with the Bounce Podcast. Quick takes. You already know the deal is. So let's start it. Coach K's farewell tour is still going strong as Duke was announced as the number two seed in the West region, and they were ranked number nine according to the AP poll before the tournament. But, you know, it is what it is because right now, like I said, they are the number two seed in the West region, and March Madness is here. And We'll talk about March Madness a little bit later, but can Duke win it all in Coach K's farewell tour? As lovely as Coach Tate's farewell tour has been, I just don't think that Duke really has it this year. And I mean, when you look at what has happened before in the tournament, you lost that really bad game to Virginia Tech. You lost to your rival, North Carolina. There's been a lot of close games where they would lose really close games or lose in overtime. And when I really think about specifically in their region, I don't know if they could be Texas Tech. I don't know if they could be Gonzaga. I just think that Duke, they still have a lot of issues within their systems and within their players that just don't really make me feel like they could really be that team to win it all. The NFL trade deadline and the free agency period has now begun, and we are on a roll so far. So, I mean, we're listen, we're going to get news, you know, at any time right now. But a lot of trade news came up. Khalil Mack to the L.A. Chargers. Carson Wentz to the Washington Commanders. Amari Cooper to the Cleveland Browns. Uh, I don't know what the hell the Colts are going to do. They're trying to get Jimmy G right now because they let go of Wentz. And what else? Tennessee Titans, they cut that man Julio Jones. Surprisingly, Laura have mercy. And many more have been going on. But, you know, but let's start right there. What news, what trade news or offseason news that has surprised you the most? Khalil Mack, Boza, J.C. Jackson to the Chargers. I mean, well, Boza was already there, but still. I mean, (laughs) these additions for the Chargers. I did not see this coming, not one bit. Now the Chargers, they might be a top 10 defensive team coming next season. You never know right now. But I would say this, even though I am surprised that this occurred because the Chargers and the AFC West is going to be a nail biter. Lord have mercy. I am surprised that Julio Jones got cut by the Tennessee Titans. I am very surprised because, listen, I understand that Julio Jones was made as a decoy and he didn't really get, a, he, he really only had one touchdown in, in the regular season, which that is ridiculous. But for him to be cut, I am surprised. But you know what that means, L'Oreal. That means Julio Jones, you already know the deal is, come to Baltimore, my brother. Come to the Ravens and play with your boy, Lamar Jackson. Bling, bling. <laughs> we have other news that was going on and it happened in Russia. L'Oreal, tell me what's been going on with Brittany Griner. She's still arrested. She still is detained. I mean, there's so many things is going on. And I know that she is part of the WNBA and you are a big fan of that. What the heck is going on? 
All right, let me tell you guys. So Brittany Griner from the Phoenix Mercury, um, this has been happening for at least a month now. She has been detained in Russia because apparently in her backpack, um, Russian authorities found allegedly a weed, marijuana, vape pen, and other marijuana substances within her backpack. So she has been detained in Russia. But what's even crazy about the situation is that when they announced that she was detained in Russia, they said that she was detained in Russia for three weeks already. So as far as I'm concerned, Brittany Griner has been detained in Russia for at least over a month now. And we are sending our prayers out to Brittany Griner. We are sending our prayers out to the Phoenix Mercury team. I know they are worried sick about their teammate. I know that Brittany Griner's family and our personal loved ones are worried so much about her. We are so worried about her because as a black woman right now, going through what we're going through in this country to be detained in Russia, who is going into war, that is just a screen, extremely scary. I am just praying for Brittany Grimer, her safety, and that she get out. Hey, man, you already know the dealers. Free Brittany Grimer. That's all I got to say. Free her, man. Last Friday night, the Spurs beat the Utah Jazz, which makes Greg Popovich the most winningest coach in NBA history. In the regular season, he has 1,336 wins. He surpassed Don Nelson. He did that coaching fewer games than Don Nelson and Lenny Wilkins. And for Pop to accomplish this, I mean, I mean, I know that you know he he doesn't he doesn't really care as much, but this this right here, he is right. This is a team accomplishment. This is not just an individual accomplishment. You need talent. And for having great talent like Tim Duncan, uh, Tony Parker, David Robinson, Manu Ginobili, Kawhi, LaMarcus Aldridge, and even have, you know, your own San Antonio Spur, DeJounte Murray, who who I believe is going to be special. He is an all-star and he is very special. For Pop to have this talent and surpass Don Nelson, it's amazing. It's amazing for him to make history. I'm happy for him. I'm happy for Pop. I said this before and I, and I said this again. I said... Tim Duncan is the greatest power forward of all time. Manu Ginobili, who will be a Hall of Famer one day, is the greatest six-man of all time. But Greg Popovich is the greatest coach of all time. Get at me. Let's just make sure that the Spurs make it to the plan, baby. I mean, I, I hope that the Spurs make it to the plan. If not, you know, it is what it is. But for Pops, you know, possible last year as a coach, let's hope that the Spurs make it to the plan. All right, so back to the NBA and... You know, this team right here, we've been talking about the struggles of this team all season long. It's clearly nothing new. So the Lakers, I mean, we can talk about plenty of things. I mean, them playing terrible post-All-Star break, AD with his dumb comments about, you know, if I was healthy against the Suns last year and Russell Westbrook, but it is what it is. Let's let's just talk about Russell Westbrook. A couple of weeks ago. Russell Westbrook and the Los Angeles Lakers have come to a mutual interest in parting ways in the offseason. Clearly after next season, well, I should say after this season, Russell Westbrook would not be a Laker. And look, the Lakers believe, the, the organization believe that Russell Westbrook would probably not coexist next season. And obviously we know how his contract looks because he does have a player option. Russell Westbrook could be a free agent, but I ain't going to lie. Listen, you you making, what, $44, $47 million next season. You're you going to opt in and, you know, get that money. So this season has been, dare must I say, a struggle for him. I mean, well, I wouldn't say a struggle, but, I mean, the way how 
the city of, uh, of LA or, and the media has been on Russell Westbrook has been like no other. As far as what happened to OKC, Houston and Washington is one thing, but in, in LA, it is something. And look, Russell Westbrook, since All-Star break, he, 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 he hasn't been all of that. I'll just say that right now. He's averaging 16 points, five rebounds, four assists. This man is shooting 9% from the three-point line. Uh, I mean, now, but here's my thing, though. But let's be very clear: Russell Westbrook has never been a great three-point shooter, so it's 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 not it shouldn't be a surprise. But nine percent is still bad. And I just want to say this: I know that Russell Westbrook. Listen, regardless if you're a fan or not, Russell Westbrook once again, including Frank Vogel, is being unfairly criticized. He is he is being the scapegoat in LA when people don't want to sit here and blame the front office for where this team is at right now. Blame also Anthony Davis, street clothes AD, for not staying healthy. Blame that. And also LeBron James, even though, listen, and right now this man is stat panning. He's, he's, he's just looking to make sure that he can get LeBron, uh, not, not LeBron, I want to say LeBron. LeBron is LeBron. LeBron James is at this point where he is trying to reach Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's scoring record. That's what he's trying to do. He's trying to make sure that he has the most points scored by the end of his career. And it's just ridiculous right now, especially him stat padding. And the, the Lakers are not going anywhere. They're not even winning at this point. It's just ridiculous. No one, and I mean no one, should have any of their family members receive death threats. His wife talked about it. Nobody should be dissing his children. Keep his kids out your mouth. Look, I understand the whole notion about Russell Westbrook not liking the term Westbrook. It's been going on for a while. It's been going on for a long time. And Skip Bayless can tell you that because beforehand, Skip Bayless was the one who spoke about that. I think it's time for him to go. It's been time for him to go. He should have never came to L.A. as a Laker. And for him to play alongside with him and LeBron James, it's just not looking good. It's, it shows you it was – it. It's, it doesn't work. It was never going to work. And I said it before, before the season began, it was a bad fit. And I said they were not even going to go to the Western Conference Finals. Look at it right now. So it's just time for them to move on and let Russell Westbrook go somewhere else because I don't think that this is how we should remember Russell Westbrook. I never really thought that getting Westbrook will result in the Lakers going to the finals or anything because I just didn't think that they were – as good as other teams, but this is but this is about Westbrook. And Westbrook, there was no reason that Westbrook should have went to LA. Period point blank. This was just an ultimate bad fit for Westbrook. If anything, I'd rather Westbrook stay at Washington because at least at Washington, he helped them get to the playoffs and he was able to actually play like we know Westbrook knows how to play. Dominant basketball playing like the Tasmanian devil, literally going through the lane, cutting through the lane, making basket. That is what Russell Westbrook knows how to do. Russell Westbrook needs the ball in his hands because when you get the ball to Russell Westbrook, he can he can deliver. Now, he's not going to deliver 100%, but Russell Westbrook can not deliver to you if he has the ball in his hands. But the main issue with him being in L.A. is that he doesn't have the ball in his hands because of LeBron James. And LeBron James, we know he likes to have the ball in his hands. So there was clearly going to be an issue where LeBron James and Russell Westbrook 
was going to go back and forth between who can get the ball and who can't get the ball. And obviously, Russell Westbrook, he's getting the shorter end of the stick when it comes to that situation because we have not seen Russell Westbrook be anything like him. And I get it. He's not shooting well. He may not be the best team player, but he does not have a fit on this team. This is why he is doing bad, and this is why he's performing the way he's performing. He just don't fail this team. And it's just sad that Laker Nation and the front office and LeBron James, they clearly thought that Russell Westbrook was going to be some kind of savior. He was not going to be a savior for this team because this team had way deeper issues defensively within their personnel. We can even say with the coach, Frank Vogel, even though it's crazy because he won a championship with the team in 2020. Still, there's a lot of deeper issues that the Lakers had to fix that Russell Westbrook couldn't bring that all together. He just couldn't. And for LeBron James to sit up there and think that, and that's the thing, I'm not, I'm not bashing LeBron James for wanting Westbrook. There's not a problem with it. There's not a problem with it. But I'm sorry, all this, all this fake performative stuff that LeBron be doing, like calling out the Lakers on Twitter that one time, the very first time, even before the season began tweeting keep that same energy we keeping that same energy and right now the lakers ain't doing jack i mean you ain't doing jack really lebron i appreciate you trying to catch the record but all you're doing is stat patting his points need absolutely nothing to me and as far as for russell westbrook i feel very bad for him it is no reason that his wife and his kids and his family or just russell westbrook's personal life should be brought up at any point at any given time. I am sick and tired of people thinking that because Russell Westbrook is playing the way that he is playing, that, that gives them the excuse to treat him like they're treating him. That is wrong. Russell Westbrook is a person at the end of the day. At the end of the day, when he takes off that jersey and he leaves the crypto arena, he is Russell Westbrook to his wife, kids, family, and the community. That is all that should matter. I am tired of people treating Westbrook like this because a lot of other players, they're playing way worse than Westbrook right now, and they're not getting that heat that Westbrook is getting. Westbrook has played every single game this season so far, but yet he's still getting heat over street clothes, Anthony Davis and LeBron James or anybody else on that team that's not really performing the way that they should be performing. So I'm glad that they're, they're talking about parting ways. This needs to happen. Westbrook needs to be free because this has just been, to be quite honest with you, this has been hell for Westbrook this season. I mean, it's been hell. What we have seen from the media, from the games, from what's been happening within the team, it has just been a complete disaster. And I just hate it for Westbrook. The Lakers can trade him. They can reach a buyout with him. They can waive his contract for next year. It doesn't matter to me. Russell Westbrook just need to leave. And, um, and at this point, Look, we don't know if he's going to win a championship, you know, by the end of his career or not. That, that, that's irrelevant at this point. But he should not be remembered as being this bad, being this heavily criticized in L.A. as a Laker. So last but not least, we got to talk about this. This is indeed March Madness, the NCAA college basketball tournament baby for the men's and the women's we are right here we are on a roll 
And uh, I'm excited. I'm, I'm, I'm really excited to see what's going to happen. So let's get this show on a row. We're going to talk about our final four predictions. L'Oreal, let's get started right now. 2022 March Madness final four predictions. Who you got for the men's? Right, for the men, my final four is Gonzaga, Arizona, Kentucky, and Auburn. Mm, okay. All right, all right. My final four for the men is Gonzaga, North Carolina, Kansas, and Villanova. All right, yeah, I know, I know right now it's looking, <laughs> looking like a shocker, but you know, <laughs> uh, there could be some shockers going up, but we're going to see what happens. Now, for the women's March Madness, L'Oreal, who you got? I got South Carolina, Stanford, Louisville, and Yukon. I got South Carolina, Tennessee, Stanford, and Yukon. So let's go ahead and talk about this since we're in the final four. Who you got going to the championship and winning it all? Well, let me head over to the winners. I got South Carolina going against Stanford, and I got South Carolina winning it all. These group of young black women on this team and other women as well, they are absolutely astounding. Aaliyah Boston, she should get more press and more recognition as a national player of the year. This girl is amazing defensively. My goodness, she is leading the lead in double doubles. I don't think that there's really anybody that can stop her in the post. This South Carolina team has been on the road, and I think that they have what it takes to win it all. Hmm, okay. Uh, uh, let's see. For the women, I'm going to say South Carolina versus UConn. Oh, boy, this is going to be tough. But uh, it's hard to see UConn losing, but I'm going to go with South Carolina, bro. I think South Carolina's going to slightly i think that slight i'm I'm gonna i'm gonna give them the slight edge over uconn so i got south carolina winning it all this season for the men's who you got i'm going with kazaga i think kazaga i'm pretty sure they've been thinking a lot about what has happened last season when they lost against baylor now they have been on the roll i mean this team is solid with every single thing the head coach as well and really i just don't really see no team being better, especially in the men's tournament, other than Gonzaga at this point. Mm, okay. All right. Uh, I'm going to go with Shaka right here. I'm going with North Carolina versus Kansas, and Kansas will beat North Carolina, baby. A Shaka right here. Kansas winning it all. Get at me. We'll see what happens here. <laughs> and that's it. We balling like it's March Madness. Yes. We'll see what happens. <laughs> All right, folks, that's it for the Bounce Podcast, episode 64. You can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Simplecast, iHeartRadio, Pandora, and on YouTube, folks. I want you to like, comment, subscribe, download us, folks. I want you to share this and do whatever you want. Comment on this to your friends, your family members. We are here every week talking about sports. You know what it is. Uh, Before we go, I do want to bring this up, and I know that this passed, but the two-year anniversary of COVID-19 pandemic in the United States. Well, obviously, of course, like it kind of started in January, but it really was a big deal come March. You know, the fact that it's been two years, wow. Like, if you would have told me in 2020, if you would have told me in 2020 that we would still be in a pandemic, I would have been like, nah, I would have been like, I ain't feeling that right now. But, I mean, uh, two years ago, 
people were getting COVID and we're like, oh, what the heck is going on? Even though we, we, they didn't tell us to wear a mask at that point. Now, a year later, I'm seeing people who now has to wear a mask because there's a mask mandate. And now we at a point where, whew, I can see people's faces now. I can see people's faces, but at the same time, COVID is still here. And there are still people who are catching it and there are still people who are dying. And I know that, you know, times are getting, you know, it's getting warmer now, but let's not forget that COVID is still here and we need to be aware. And um, honestly, at this point, I mean, we, we spoke about, you know, last year, how, uh, how did COVID-19 impact us as a sports fan? Um, you know, I'm, I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to talk about that, but I'm just going to say this right now. As far as COVID-19, someone said that they wouldn't be surprised if it does, if this doesn't end until 2023. At this point, I would not be surprised if COVID-19 doesn't get, you know, doesn't, well, I said it back. I don't know if, if it will ever end. I don't think that COVID-19 will be contained until 2025. And it hurts for me to say that because I'm looking like, oh man, I don't want to wait for another two, three years. But at this point right now, we just got to get used to it and just go with the flow. It's, uh, it's the new normal. I just hope that everyone is vaccinated or gets vaccinated and can wear a mask because, like I said, it's still around here. It's still really crazy to think of that moment when you and me realized that this was actually going to be real. And I still think about when we covered that girls playoff game, yeah. Mercy yeah. versus Renaissance. It was an amazing game. Kaylee Davis, shout out to you. She did amazing that game. We had a great time. We was on the road, figured we was going to do another game the next day. And then, boom, COVID happened. And then just thinking about how everybody was in complete shambles once we realized that the NBA is not coming back, like, at all. I mean, just thinking about when Rudy touched all those mics and then the game that never happened between the Jazz and the Thunder and then the fact that basketball, we didn't know what sports was going to come back at all. It was just crazy. And by the grace of God, thank God that sports is back. Thank God that even though this pandemic is still not over, we're still trying to work through it. We're still trying to manage it. And thankfully, I can sit right beside you, Jabari, on this computer screen doing this podcast with you, you know, almost two years later. So it's just a blessing of that. But this pandemic, uh, I'm not really sure. I, I'm going to be honest with you. I've just been seeing how this country and how this world has been kind of almost free balling when it comes to this, you know, pandemic situation, mass vaccines, everything else is going on in this world. And I'm not really sure when it's going to end. I'm not really sure because never in a million years that we would have thought that, that this was even happening. So now the fact that we're two years in, it's like, we'll see what happens. Yeah. We'll see what happens. I mean, shoot, I got to, I got to think about getting married and have kids and, you know, think about my career, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> well, Mr. Like, yeah, exactly. You know, COVID around, it just showed you that, you know, like I said, we were, we were in school while this was going on. Well, I was at my last, I was in my last semester in grad school when this was going on, but you know, things can happen real fast in two years. And, you know, some, some of my friends are no longer here because of COVID. So, you know, like I said, we just hope that, you know, this can be contained and can go away you know, as soon as possible. But, you know, thank you for listening to the Bounce Podcast, episode 64. My name is Jabari Anderson with my co-host, L'Oreal. Peace!